Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I'm Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. We are the guys at ReviewingTheBrew.com. It is March 31st, and it should be opening day today, but it is not. <laughs> opening day has been pushed back another week, so we get to do our little uh, season preview, uh, opening day and, and season preview episode now. And, you know, opening day gets pushed back because Rob Manfred is the worst. And I have the perfect shirt to uh, showcase it. I mean, I, I know the listeners, you guys can't uh, see it. But, Matt, can can you describe what my shirt is here? Uh, that'd be poop. That, that's, yes. That's what that is. It is Rob Manfred's face on a pile of poop. And watch your ears, kids. It says shittiest commissioner ever. I mean, and that is the shirt that I wore today <laughs> because we were supposed to have opening day baseball and we did not because Rob Manfred is, well, a pile of shit. Yeah, it, it, you're not wrong, are you? I mean, granted, it's uh, it was kind of sloppy snow out today. So would it have been depending on how you feel about snow? It may have been. Would this have stopped us if it was a Packer game? Yeah. Oh, no, no, of course not. Uh, Let's be honest. Would it have stopped us if it were opening day? No. No. Uh, Some people might have have enjoyed it. On the building. For a reason. The the tailgating, though. You know, like, do do people want to tailgate in this? But, uh, and as we know, opening day tailgating is nearly as epic as it gets in Milwaukee. Yes. But, yeah. So I guess we missed out on this, but I, I, I still would have rather had opening day baseball today. But whatever. We still get our 162 games. Uh, I, I guess we just have to wait an extra week for it. Yeah, and it's going to take away a bunch of the off days. It's going to throw in a couple of double headers, a couple of weird road trips and home trips. And, uh, you know, the Brewers, are, they're going to have to try to squeeze in six extra games into six fewer days. Um, so that's, uh, no, seven fewer days. I don't know. Either way, math is hard. Uh, <laughs> I, I was told there would be no math on this podcast. Uh, apparently that ain't happening, but anyways, baseball's coming up soon at least. And, uh, we are closing in on opening day. So let's get ready for the season. Shall we? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So in typical David Stearns fashion, uh, before the season begins, he's going to pick up some random veteran reliever. He's done this several times before. Dan Jennings, uh, he's he's done. And now he brings up Jose Urania, the mm-hmm. former Marlins and Tigers starter. Uh, he signs on a minor league deal and then immediately the next day gets bumped up to the major league roster uh, and, and selected to the 40-man Matt, you wrote the article on this. You, you, you've dug into Urania more than I have. Uh, what do you think of Jose Urania coming into the Brewers? Um, I, I was su- very surprised that they brought him on to the 40-man that quickly. Um, there's, no, I, I mean, uh, okay, let me give him this. Uh, in 2017-2018, he had a solid couple years starting for the Marlins. He looked like, you know... Maybe he's a guy that could be a fixture in that rotation for a while, had ERAs in the threes, um, was decent. And then things kind of started going downhill. Um, 
He had an injury that knocked out a lot of his 2019, um, didn't pitch a lot in 2020 either. Um, 2021, he goes to the Tigers after becoming free agent, doesn't do super great there, gets bumped from the rotation at the end of the season. Um, he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. He walks a decent amount. He gives out up a good amount of homers. I don't know that there's a lot for me to be excited about. So, I mean, they must, you know, Stearns in the front office, they scout all kinds of guys and they they, clearly, they see something in him that is intriguing to them. Um, But to throw him onto the major league roster right away was, was very surprising to me. Um, He's got a decent repertoire. He's got a sinker ball uh, that he throws like mid nineties. He's got a four seamer that's uh, it's, it's mid nineties as well. His changeup is actually only like five miles an hour slower than that, which is kind of weird. Um, so, you know, he's got a repertoire that could work for a reliever if he can induce a lot of ground balls that way. But I, I don't know. I, I was just, whatever. I mean, we take a shot on him. Like I'm sure he's making like veteran minimum or something like that. So like, if it doesn't work out, you DFA him everything's fine. Like this isn't the biggest deal in the world in the end, but I don't know. To me, I guess it was a little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah. It wasn't someone that uh, was on most people's radar. Um, And it it turns out it is a uh, one year, $1.25 million uh, contract, but it's a split contract. uh, And he earns 250,000 if in the minor leagues, um, so that, that's kind of his base salary in there, but at the same time, um, I mean, that's kind of weird because they brought him out of the 40 man roster and he's out of options, so they can't right. send him to the minor leagues. Um, so yeah, I, that seems like a weird way to do it. I mean, they, they had to have some sort of technical reason to sign him to a minor league deal into a split contract if they were planning on having him immediately on the big league roster the whole time, you know, like if, if you're going to do that, like, like why not just sign him to a minor league deal and then, or, I mean, if you're going to have him on the roster, why not just sign him to a full on major league deal? But, you know, if you want to stash him in the minors, sign him to a minor league deal first. So you don't have to option him because once you bring him up, you can't send him back down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that was the, the most important part about all of this that they didn't mention is yeah, he's, He's here. So by being in the major leagues, like he's here until he, you know, either gets DFA'd or if he can, if you know what, if he uh, shows some stuff and is effective, that's great. And, you know, because of the fact that most of his experiences as a starter, um, he is a little bit of a backup um, in case a starter goes down. If someone goes gets injured, if, a you know, someone like a Hauser or a Lauer regresses or, you know, far be it one of the other three. Um, you've got that possibility there, but again, like I would have hoped those opportunities would have gone to an Aaron Ashby, which they might still, they, they could still be utilizing a six man rotation here and there. And like, he'll probably still get his chances, but like past him and Ethan small, heck a Luis Perdomo, like who's looked really good. This, I, I felt like there were already decent backups rotation options on the roster as it stands, either on the 40 man or just outside of it. Um, if it were purely for relief pitching options, you know, I think we both expressed our concerns about the depth there and sure, like that's fine. But now by having Urania on the active roster, that takes away one of those like shuttle spots 
Like you, mm-hmm. you now have a spot that you have to commit and that's not someone that you can move back and forth. I mean, the way that I had um, the 28 man projected originally before this signing, there were really only basically two of those spots. And now really there's only one because you've got a guy like Trevor Gott who has to stay on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really you could option a guy, you know, you've got like a Jake cousins, like, you know, maybe he goes back and forth a little bit, I guess. Hopefully Ashby doesn't. Um, but so yeah, there's, I guess there's a little bit more flexibility, but not nearly as much with Urania. So that's just another weird kink that it kind of puts in the roster math, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if anyone can manage that roster math, it'll be Craig council. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's shown to be one of the best managers in all of baseball at managing a bullpen. Um, so it, it's another talented arm. Uh, perhaps the Brewers can find a way to kind of squeeze some results out of him. Cause I mean, Urena's Urena's always had um, that, that talent. I mean, he had a, a number of years there uh, in Miami and he, put up some some decent numbers. I mean, 2017 mm-hmm. was really kind of his best season. Uh, he struggled the past three years, but, um, you know, the Brewers, if they feel they can get something out of him, especially as a reliever, which it sounds like that's going to be his primary role, kind of as a long man. Brent Suter kind of was a long man, but now he's kind of not. He's kind of more of a, a one-inning guy, maybe two at most. Um, so that's kind of more the role Suter has. So if you need an, another long man, um, especially with Ashby being in the rotation, uh, that's where someone like Urania can can make some sense. So um, it, it's going to be a, an interesting fit, and uh, we'll we'll see how it works. But in in Stearns, we trust pretty much. Yes. I mean, that's that's kind of how we how we got to go about it. And and in Council, we trust, mm-hmm. and we also have to trust Council when he says uh, some interesting quotes, like he did the other day on uh, some interesting prospects. Mainly Abner Uribe, uh, who spent all of last season in low A. He's got a 103-mile-an-hour fastball. He's got a pretty good slider. He has very little command uh, <laughs> of, of either pitch. And, um, you know, he got into a Cactus League game, his first pitch, 97 miles an hour, straight to the backstop. It was straight mm-hmm. out of Bull Durham. He hit the bull. Like, it, it was so far outside. Like, it, it wasn't even close and but it was 97 miles an hour uh, and then he comes back and he paints the outside corner with the very next pitch and the hitter just he's just laughing at himself he's just like what what is this <laughs> how do you go from, from 97 all the way out there to painting the black with the same 97 mile an hour fastball uh, and craig council he said oh well you know if, if things really kind of go right uh, developmentally he could impact our team this year I thought, oh, that's a bit aggressive for a reliever who was in low A, who showed very little command. But if Craig Council says it, he must be feeling it. Yeah, that count that among the most surprising quotes I've heard uh, from spring so far. Yeah, like 21 years old, has topped out at low A um, in his... Uh, low A season last year, he threw 33 and two thirds innings. He had a strikeout per nine of 13.9. That's very, very good. Um, for reference, Josh Hader sits in the like 14s, 15s, and is generally, you know, tops in the league uh, with that. So 13.9, very good. He also walked 
6.7 per nine. <laughs> so clearly put a lot of guys on base. If you go to his Arizona Fall League stats, he picked pitched exactly nine innings, struck out 16 guys. So amazing, but walked 17. <laughs> he walked 17 guys in nine innings in Arizona Ugh. Fall League. That is bad that is very bad like you're obviously you're not going to make sniff a major league roster with anything like that so you know when he says you know if he develops the right way clearly that's the type of things he means he needs to find his control but i kind of like i understand where he's coming from he has an elite fastball and a near elite slider his slider is very very good when it's on as well and that is exactly the type of, you know, late inning repertoire that can blow hitters away. And so when you think of it just in that pure sense, I get where Council's saying, you know, maybe if everything goes right, that's an arm that could, it, it, the way he said it, that could affect us this year, which was the 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 surprise part of that quote. Um, but yeah, exactly. Just a lot of things would have to go right for that to be anywhere remotely close to happening i think there's a better chance that it doesn't and we just watch him hopefully develop his way up the minor leagues but but i i guess i get where he's coming from and we all we've watched him like we've seen the highlights we know why people would be excited about him that there's no question there oh yeah i mean he certainly has the talent for it and um i mean a 103 mile an hour fastball you could use that as big league level at any time you know and his slider is pretty nasty too um, so, we, I mean, he has the, the tools there to succeed in the bullpen, but yeah, the command is just, it, it's not there right now. And command is typically not something that just kind of shows up instantly like right. that, you know, going from last year to, you know, 6.7 walks per nine to all of a sudden, if it comes in with a, with a 3.0 walks per nine, um, even if it comes in with that, I mean, that's. Like, I don't see how you can make that kind of progression that quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, very talented arm, but, yeah, it would uh, it would be a surprise to see him uh, in Milwaukee at some point this season. What is not a surprise, though, is the Brewers' opening day starter that Craig yeah. Council announced this past week. And he went with, say with me, the reigning Cy Young winner, Corbin, Corbin Burns. Burns. There was no other choice, really. And I mean, Craig Council actually did say um, that it wasn't as easy as you would think, you know, you know, because Brandon Woodruff is super good. You know, Woodruff has done it the past two seasons and he's done a good job being the opening day starter. Um, and then he's like, on the other hand, Corbin won the Cy Young. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's that's if you have to use the Cy Young as a tiebreaker. As to who's going to start opening day for you, your rotation's in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's Corbin Burns, and it, it's the obvious choice for me. Yeah, absolutely. On, on pure talent and numbers, there there wouldn't be a question. On any other team, if if Brandon Woodruff hadn't been the uh, opening day starter for the last two years, I don't think there would be a question. I think that's the only thing that made it quote unquote a hard decision is because you've got a guy who started the last two opening days who still is an extremely good starter and would be an ace on most teams across the league. Um, And so it's saying that, 
you know, this year you're not going to be our opening day starter, but you have to go with Burns. You want that guy. You want the reigning NL Cy Young to be at the top of your rotation, coming around, generally matching up with the best starters for the other teams as well. So, no, this entire time should have been Corbin Burns. Like, I'm glad that he, you know, did acknowledge um, that there was at least thought to be had with Woodruff, but you had to go Burns in this. And they talked to Woodruff uh, after his most recent start and kind of asked him about it. And Woodruff himself, as he would be because he's a very good teammate, is obviously super supportive, super excited for Burns, saying that, you know, we're all going to be happy to watch him out there on that first day. And it's going to be a great day. And that's how the rest of us should feel. It never should have been in doubt in anyone's head that this is the way it was going to go. Oh, yeah. And, and it, even Woodruff knows it's like, yeah, Burns won the Cy Young. He should get the start. Like, like that's kind of how it goes. If, if you win the Cy Young, you get to start opening day next season. Like, that's that's pretty much it. The Mariners announced mm-hmm. that Robbie Ray is going to be starting opening day for them. I just saw that come across my timeline, um, even though he won that with Toronto. But still... Um, It makes sense to put Robbie Ray at the top there, just like it makes sense to put Corbin Burns here. And it's like it's not like it's a it's an outside addition coming in to take it, you know, because Burns has been here just as much as Woodruff has. Um, So it's not like, oh, we signed someone else to come in to, you know, take that opening day spot from you. You know, it like if if Max Scherzer started opening day over Jacob deGrom over in New York, it's like, eh, they're probably going to go to ground just because deGrom has been there. His entire career and Scherzer has not. So although I don't know if they've made an announcement there yet, but that's beside the point. Um, I I, th- I thought I saw recently that it's DeGrom. Um, yeah, but I could be just making that up. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, but it like DeGrom has been there for a year. Like DeGrom and Scherzer are one A and one B over there. I mean, that's the, the way those guys have been pitching. It, it's ridiculous. And, you know, as to who's going to get the nod. You're probably going to lean more towards DeGrom because he's been your guy for the past several years. Um, and although you kind of have that to an extent with Woodruff and Burns, both have still been there. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's just kind of like, hey, Burns has jumped up and he won the Cy Young. So really, you, you kind of got to give him the nod. So we're going to be seeing Burns April 7th uh, for opening day. It's going to be fantastic against the Cubs. Um, so really looking forward to that. It should have been today. Uh, but again, Rob Manfred, a big old pile of poop. Um, moving on to uh, arbitration, the always fun arbitration. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week as we were talking with uh, Sam Dykstra of MLB.com going over the Brewers Top 30 Prospects list. If you missed that episode, feel free to go back and uh, check it out. Lots of really good information uh, in that episode about every prospect, uh, well, not every prospect, but every prospect you're kind of really looking for information on, uh, they're going to be uh, in there. Great stuff, including Abner Uribe, who we're just mm-hmm. talking about here. Um, so we didn't get a chance to talk about arbitration, and the Brewers agreed uh, to terms with almost everybody. Uh, the one that they were not able to agree to terms with was Adrian Hauser. Um, and they're about, what was it, about $500,000 in right part yeah. on salary. And it sounded, Matt, like they're going to be heading to a hearing. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, you, you think of how some of the ones in the past went. Um, the Josh Hader one was interesting. That all 
um, circled around the fact that he hadn't piled up a bunch of saves in his career yet. And so how did they viewed um, their numbers a little bit differently? I'm I'm interested to see the justification between the two different numbers here, because I mean, last year, Adrian Hauser was a starter like that's what he was. There was no in between with him. Um, that's what he did. And he had a very good season doing it. So um, I would have expected them to land somewhere similar. I, I'm curious it, for Adrian Hauser's part, like he seems to not, you know, he, he seems very up much of the mindset of like, hey, this is just business. He, at least outwardly, he doesn't seem to be holding any ill will. And that's how, you know, a lot of these end up going. Um but over 500,000, I just, you know, that's a, a an amount small enough. It's not the smallest amount I've seen. Um, I can't remember who, but there's, I want to say it was like a $50,000 difference and they still mm-hmm. didn't settle. Um, I don't know if you remember who that was. I do not, um, uh, but I remember seeing something about that, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yes, granted, it's more than that, but still in the grand scheme of things, 500 grand is not a big gap to cover. And so it was a little surprising that they couldn't end up doing that. But we'll see what happens. Maybe this is just Hauser just, you know, wanting to get a taste of it and see where his market lies and see what the brewers think about it. And, you know, what that mean for his might mean for his future. I don't know. Um, it was a little odd, but I'm sure it'll be resolved just fine. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned that Hauser doesn't seem too bothered by it. It's like, oh, it's just business. And that's what he's been saying. Yeah. But everything changes when you step into that courtroom and mm-hmm. you go to that hearing because when he's sitting in there and he hears the Brewers front office guys essentially going to be bad mouthing him and telling him how, telling everyone how much he sucks and that he doesn't really <laughs> deserve to get paid uh, what, what he's asking for. Uh, players tend to feel a little bit differently, you know, like it, it may not actually be a personal attack. You know, they're just doing their job. You're doing your job. But um, it, it can be kind of tough hearing that, the, you know, the team, you know, the front office, the guys that you're working for, uh, have them talk about how much you suck and how much you deserve to get paid less. And then to send you back out there the next day, it's like, all right, win this game for us. Because uh, especially now this year, arbitration hearings are going to be during the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, be, you know, coming off with the lockout, they weren't able to do this in January and February as they were normally going to. And it just kind of uh, is going to throw a whole wrench into things. So I, I still think ideally um, it'd be best to avoid a hearing, you know, especially during the season. Um, just kind of, you know, find some more middle ground if you can. Um, the Brewers did go well over their projections for a lot of these players, mm-hmm. though, for, for Burns, for Woodruff, for Adamas, for a lot of their players uh, that they agreed to terms of more money than what uh, Fangrass and MLB trade rumors and other sites had projected them. Now, granted, these are projections. They aren't official. Um, they are just kind of best guesses by people outside the industry of what could be happening inside the industry. So, you know, anything over or under projections, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but still, that was that was about $50 million dollars almost that the brewers agreed to, to, to pay out um, in arbitration to about 10 players um, in one day. And that same group of players cost about $20 million last year. Mm-hmm. So that's a $30 million increase in payroll without adding 
anybody, you know, without changing anything with any other part of the payroll, $30 million added to it. Um, and that certainly ate into the Brewers' financial uh, flexibility this offseason to go out and sign more players. I know a lot of people are, are upset that they didn't sign enough um, players in free agency. I mean, they got Andrew McCutcheon at $8.5 million. Um, they got a couple other, you know, minor additions. You know, they made the trade for Hunter Renfro. But, you know, they didn't really go out and make any big splashes and, and add to this team in free agency and, and spend a lot of money. And, you know, David Stearns even talked about this this past week. You know, they didn't have the financial certainty o- over what was going to happen with these arbitration guys because they couldn't talk with them uh, mm-hmm. throughout the offseason. They, they couldn't get it squared away. So, it took them until just now, until just this past week, to get that cost certainty over really the core of their team. I mean, the core of their team is an arbitration. Burns, Woodruff, Adamas, uh, Renfro, Hauser, Lauer, um, Urias, Narvaez. Um, I mean, that's that, that's your main core. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have any certainty over what they were going to be paying them. And, you know, it could be higher, it could be lower. They didn't know where it was going to be. They couldn't even talk to the players about it. So it, it kind of made things a little difficult to go through free agency and try to be like, oh, yeah, we have this much money available um, to, to pay free agents. Right. And, and like you were saying, um, take, keep that in mind when you see that number of this is, you know, the Brewers ranked, what, fifth lowest in amount of dollars that they spent in free agency across the league um, when they just ended up committing all of this money in arbitration. Now you can argue about like the total amount of money that the Brewers should be spending on payroll as a completely different discussion. Um, But in this sense, it makes sense why they didn't commit to that much money in free agency because of what they didn't know they were going to have to spend in arbitration. Um, I did just for reference, I did find out who the player was we were thinking of. It was Lucas Giolito for the White mm. Sox. Um, they had a difference uh, after first exchanging their numbers of 7.5 million, 7.3 million. So they were off by 200 grand at first. They got it down to a $50,000 uh, difference and still couldn't figure out a common ground, which I get, hey, we just all watched the negotiations during the MLB lockout. So this all seems very familiar. Um, But so I guess when you now think back to um, Adrian Hauser's situation, $500,000 as a percentage of uh, what he's potentially making, you're talking two and a half million versus 3 million, 500 grand actually is a pretty good chunk. It's either um, 20% uh, 20 or uh, 16.5%. Uh, why do we keep doing math on this episode? Damn. Yeah, I was told there wasn't <laughs> going to be math. Right? So for him, yeah, 500 grand is a bigger deal, definitely, than what Giolito and the White Sox are dealing with. Um, and Giolito has actually expressed outward frustration towards his situation, which I don't blame him for, that the White Sox are essentially trying to nickel and dime their best starter for 50K. Um yeah, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I can't imagine this one will be one of the uglier ones. Like you said, it's it, everything changes once you're in there and you have to actually hear what they're saying about you. But, uh, you know, Hauser is also seems like a relatively toned down 
not overly excitable dude. Um, mm-hmm. So I can't imagine he would get too worked up about it. But, it, you know, we're, we're not them. I, I'm, I'm not fighting for 500 grand in my job, certainly. So I can't I can't <laughs> speak to um, what he will or won't think after all of this. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's certainly a little bit different than uh, the last arbitration hearing the Brewers went to, which was with Josh Hader. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Brewers were like two plus million dollars apart uh, for, with Josh Hader um, going into that hearing and Hader trying to, you know, assert himself as the best reliever in baseball and should get paid like it. And the system valuing saves numbers, which he didn't have mm-hmm. at the time because he was mostly in that seventh, eighth inning, multi inning type role, that Andrew Miller type role who just retired uh, this past mm-hmm. week or so. So, ha- so happy retirement to Andrew Miller. And thankfully we'll no longer be seeing you on the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, right. Anyways, uh, but uh, so Josh Hader, you know, that was a bit more contentious. Um, and that's also partially, if not mostly why I think we're seeing Josh Hader exclusively in ninth inning roles now, because if you've noticed ever since that hearing, Hader's been strictly a one inning closer. He, he hasn't been much of a of a multi-inning guy. He hasn't been a seventh, eighth inning guy. He's been the ninth inning, the ninth inning only, getting saves, being a closer. That's what he's been since that arbitration hearing. So that that one certainly changed things. Mm-hmm. Hauser, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a little bit different. And uh, just kind of back up what we were talking about here with the payroll. The Brewers set a record payroll in 2019. You know, that was the year that they had uh, Ryan Braun still. Um, they brought in uh, Yasmani Grandal on a big contract. Uh, you know, Lorenzo Kane. You had Mike Moustakis come in. You had Yelich, you know. So they had $134 million was the payroll in 2019. Their estimated 2022 payroll, $137 million. So we're in record payroll territory for the Brewers. So for, for everyone, you know, going after it's like, oh, Mark Atanasio is, you know, not investing in this team. You know, they're being cheap. You know, th- this is a record payroll. Now, you know, it's like, oh, you, you want them to spend more still. Um, you know, you, you'd rather have them, you know, compete with the Dodgers, you know, in terms of payroll. They're not going to be able to do that. Um, that. Just from where their starting point is. Uh, especially on the local TV money. I mean, the Dodgers make nearly $200 million just in local and just in their local TV contract. The Brewers aren't anywhere close to that. So you're starting off with, I mean, they're probably at like a $150 million deficit in the whole, like they're already $150 million behind. You think they're going to be able to make that up in ticket sales, Jersey sales, concession sales, things like that. They're going to be able to make up that amount of money. No, they're not in the market to be able to do it. They don't have the capacity to do it. You'd have to make things so ridiculously expensive in order to be able to afford that. And it's not a matter of, oh, Mark's a billionaire. He can just do it. That's that's not how money works. It, like, like he's, it's not just able to, to run like that. And so they're running up a record payroll. Would everyone like it to be more? Sure. But you also got to recognize the reality of the brewer situation. Yeah. And honestly, I, I believe in terms of opening day payrolls, we're all will already be well over the record. I, I think that's topped out at like maybe 110 because we yeah. didn't start at that 130 some in 2019. We got there as we added people 
throughout the season. And so we, we almost certainly will break that payroll record later. But in terms of starting the season, it's clearly over. So they are investing in the team this year. Now, would it be nice if with some of these um, big MLB deals uh, with, you know, Apple TV and Peacock, I believe, was the other one that was announced that yeah. maybe there'd be some extra TV money to throw around uh, all the different teams to share. But apparently we're just spending that money on Home Run Derby X or whatever that thing was. That was that the was weirdest announced. thing, man. Wasn't it? I saw the hype video. I'm, and at the end of the video, I'm like, what? What is this? I don't <laughs> e- I didn't even know it. Like, it was just a bunch of music and like pictures and graphics, but there were like no words. No one was saying anything. Nothing was showing up on the screen to actually describe what in the hell this video is about. Like it wasn't until I actually got to the article and in the original tweet, the article link was broken. Like it, you, you got to a 404 era, you know, error thing. So it, it, it's just confusing. Um, it's, it's ridiculous and stupid, but anyways, um, where were we? <laughs> payroll payroll yeah brewers are running up the payroll um should be a record payroll this year and yeah you, you know with the uh, the new massive tv contracts and like you know until they massively change um like, like make massive changes to the basically economic structure um and, and how these tv contracts are laid out like if it's laid out like it is in the nfl like each team gets an equal amount from national uh, TV stuff and there are no local TV rights broadcasts, then like you're still going to have all these inequalities in it, you know, like that, that's just kind of how it's going to be. And you're going to have teams like the Brewers and the Marlins and uh, the Indians, uh, no, the Guardians, excuse me, uh, mm-hmm. the Guardians and all your other uh, your Royals, you know, all, all your other small market uh, teams that just aren't going to be able to compete with Los Angeles and New York and the money you can get from those TV broadcasting rights. Yeah. Now it, it, we've, I mean, we've talked about this several times already. And I, I think anyone who has listened to us closely enough knows we're not necessarily pro owner here. Um, we just understand what reality is. And the reality mm-hmm. is the reality of how MLB operates is the Brewers are a small market team. Payroll wise, we offer, operate more like a mid market team, which should be a testament to Adonazio and Stearns. Um, but it is what it is. Like we can only spend so much and they will craft the roster based off of what we are and aren't able to spend. That's why. Um, being able to have some homegrown talent come up like, you know, Woodruff and Burns and halfway Peralta, even though we didn't originally sign him, Keston Hira, if he turns things around, ends up becoming homegrown success. Like we need those types of things to go right for us. They do. I know I'm doing the we thing that annoys a (laughs) lot of people when they refer to teams. And that used to with me too. Um, But then recently I decided I just don't care anymore. Uh, sorry, getting off on a tangent. But anyway, um, they will operate knowing that they have certain restraints and build a roster around that. And we've made they've made the playoffs for four straight seasons now. So clearly they're doing it pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. And 
Uh, now it's time, I, I think, to really kind of bring the focus back to uh, the game on the field and, and the team there. Uh, opening day rosters. They, they've expanded to 28, um, and that allows the Brewers two extra spots, at least for the first month here. Uh, then once we hit May, it's going to drop back down to 26 to kind of help with the abbreviated ramp-up time. Matt, you had a... Uh, 28-man roster prediction uh, go up on the site over this past week. And there's already been a couple of changes, uh, as we've talked (laughs) about. Jose Urania uh, has been added to the mix. And you did have Luis Arias on your roster. That is now officially not going to happen, and he is going to start the season on the IL. And his uh, recovery is going a bit slower than they had hoped, which is uh, not great news. Um, But uh, he's going to at least miss that first uh, road trip. And uh, likely, uh, at least the beginning there, of that first homestand as well. Yeah, literally the day after I posted, I think it was, they had announced that, or McCalvey had put out that Urias was all but certainly going to start the season on the injured list. And now it sounds like that's just, it's exactly what's going to happen. So in that case, I think that's where, um, if you go through kind of, how I had who makes it and who misses it. I think that's where Pablo Reyes probably makes the roster to start. Uh, it, not a hundred percent because um, we did find out today. They uh, actually released the uh, MLB and the players association officially agreed to the um, extra rule changes for this season. And one of those was the expanded rosters for April. Um, and so 28 men as opposed to 26 all the way up until May 1st. And they did say with that that there are no pitcher limits. So with the 26-man rosters, you can only carry up to 13 pitchers. With the 28, they don't have a 14-pitcher limit. So, you know, they could go ahead and carry an extra lever if they decided to, um, because another one of the parts of that agreement is that um, the five minor league option limit for the season that first starts this season as a result of the new CBA doesn't actually start counting until May. So if the Brewers do want to keep, you know, an extra one of those pitchers who is optionable early, as opposed to adding, you know, a guy like Pablo Reyes to cover for Urias's absence, they could do so. Um, I still tend to believe they'll go 14, 14. And that's where I think Pablo Reyes is up to start the year. Um, But you never know with the Brewers and with what Craig council wants with his roster. So I think you could see it go either way. Yeah. They, they have uh, still a bunch of options they could go with. And yeah, I mean, filling in with Arias, I mean, it's, it's going to be a, a mix of guys. I mean, you could have Reyes in there. Jace Peterson will be in there. Mike Brasso could be in there. So you got plenty of options. Um, so that's something that's uh, going to be pretty exciting and not really, I, I can't even take it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Been, I'm excited for Luis Arias to get back. That's what I'm excited <laughs> for. You've been so nice to Jace Peterson ever since he became officially on base. Jace, you've been you've yeah. been doing well with it. I will give you that. I've been I'm, trying. I'm a, I'm a little excited to see Brasso. At least I feel like he's been performing pretty decently during the spring. So I do want to see him. Um, but that'll probably be a lefty righty platoon there at third. I imagine while Arias is out, just depending on. Uh, who the starting pitcher happens to be. So Pablo Reyes, to be clear, I think he's the very last man off the bench. He's not going to be taking Reyes's place in the lineup. 
that's, well, that's not what I was Let's see. At. Facing the Cubs here, it should be Kyle Hendricks. Mm-hmm. So my guess would be Jace Peterson. Yep. Yeah. And then you're probably going, they're probably rolling out Stroman after that. So you probably get another Jace Peterson start for the second game too. Yeah. Yeah. So more on base Jace. Wonderful. You love it. You know it. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what it's time for, Matt? Ooh. It's time, time for some for? bold predictions. Oh, bold predictions. Are you are you ready? Are you excited? Are you, are you ready. ready to get bold? I've got my main bold prediction locked and loaded. You've got your main bold prediction locked and loaded. All right. Yeah. We both, I mean, we, we've gone back and forth the past couple of years putting up bold predictions. My biggest bold prediction was putting uh, Corbin Burns as the uh, Cy Young winner. I did that in 2019. It did not work out well. I was just three years ahead of my time. Uh, that's all it was. <laughs> um, so... Uh, that was my big bold prediction. I think I still carried it every single year. Also in 2020, also in 2021, I carried that bold prediction. And it finally came true last year. And naturally, I'm just going to bring that up again. But all right, Matt, you've got your <laughs> one big bold prediction locked and loaded. I've got I've got a couple here, uh, but you got your one big one. You're ready. What do you got? Okay. My big bold prediction for this season is going to be that Willie Adamas oh. finishes Top five oh. in NL MVP voting. Oh, okay. Yeah. So with Adamus, this is going to be the first season that he's walked in to a non-crap stadium like Tropicana <laughs> Field, knowing that he gets to play 81 games, give or take, and depending on how many sits out, in the friendly confines of American Family Field. At one point last year, he was so good after he got to the Brewers, there were some slight whispers about the fact that he could compete for the NL MVP, even though he didn't get to the league until the end of May. Now, he tailed off a little bit at the end of the season, and you know those whispers went away pretty quickly. But with a full season in a Brewers uniform and his all-around game, I could absolutely see him... Uh, becoming an NL MVP candidate. And if you look at the war numbers, so number five, the uh, player who finished fifth in NL MVP voting last year was Trey Turner. He had a 6.5 war at baseball reference. Willie Adamas for his full season, part of it being at the crap hole of Tropicana Field, had a 4.2. So that's about how far he has to go. And I feel like in a, as a, in a full season as a Milwaukee Brewer, that he can do it. So I was going to say top 10, didn't feel bold enough. So top five NL MVP finish for Willie Adonis. If you really wanted to go bold, you should just call me an NL MVP. <laughs> yeah, no, right? That would be about as bold as it gets. But that, that, that's what I would do. Because I, I remember when I was looking at uh, the Corbin, when I was making that Corbin Burns prediction, I was like, should I go initially like he, he finishes top five and Cy Young? And I'm like, what if I should, what if I just say outright he wins it? Like, like that feels really bold enough. And I eventually did that. So and we'll see. Eventually. And maybe it could happen for Adamus in two or three seasons. If it keeps, <laughs> on, going, if it keeps on going to this pace. Uh, all right. So now I've got a couple of bold predictions. One, uh, the, the first one here, I think you might be able to guess, Matt. And I think most mm. people who know me, might be able mm. to guess where this bold prediction is going. Are you ready for it? Enlighten me. I, I wonder whatever this could be. My bold prediction, uh, my first bold prediction here, 
Corbin Burns wins back-to-back National League Cy Youngs. I know. I am going crazy here. This is shocking. This is a big revelation for me, a huge change. I can't believe it. But, yes, Corbin Burns, back-to-back Cy Youngs. Because why not? This is my shocked face right here. (laughs) Shocked. That's that's pure, Futurama pure meme. shock. The Futurama meme. Shocked. Shocked. Well, actually, not all that shocked. No, not that shocked at all. Um, I mean, especially now that he's proven uh, that he can do it. Uh, you know, now that he's done it, he already has one award and makes it a bit easier to win a second one. I mean, this isn't like the NBA where apparently voters are tired of giving the MVP to Giannis, <laughs> even though he's clearly the best player in the NBA. But that's beside the point. This is a baseball podcast. It doesn't really happen as much uh, in baseball with voter fatigue uh, on some of those kinds of things. So um, for Corbin Burns, if he keeps on putting up the numbers that that he put up last year, I see no reason why he can't win again. And he's apparently getting better. He's improving his changeup and he's throwing that more. Um, And he's like got other things like he's looking to he fine tuned his mental approach a little bit. So. Uh, he's got his eyes all on getting better uh, for this season. And really, his numbers should have been better than what they were. I mean, he actually was like the recipient of some bad luck last mm-hmm. year uh, on uh, some batted balls. So um, if he can get that to, to balance out a little bit, his numbers are going to improve even more. Yeah, I think actually the recency bias, kind of like you were saying, almost helps him. Uh, because now you have him, he's in the public eye, he's got the, he's the reigning NL Cy Young. Um, so yes, we have DeGrom coming back, and let's be honest, we are both fully aware Jacob DeGrom is an absolutely insane starting pitcher. Yes. But now it's not just Corbin Burns is this little guy coming up out of nowhere, he's a legit Cy Young winner. And so you have two Cy Young winners going against each other. And obviously there's other guys out there. We've got Wheeler, we've got Scherzer, um, we've got Bueller. All three of them will probably be up there again. But um, in terms of like, those should be the two favorites for the award, obviously is the most Mm -hmm. recent winners of it. Um, So it's going to be a battle, but it's one that Corbin Burns obviously 100% has the talent to win. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited for that. I've got a couple other bold predictions here. Okay. Um, I do but, have uh, one not... more, by the way. I just have oh, one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let, let's alternate here. Let, let, let's see what you okay. got. Okay. So I, my next one is going to be is maybe maybe not bold, but a prediction. Um, the Brewers home run leader this year hmm. will be Hunter Renfro. Oh, interesting. And it will be. 40 home runs. That'll be the bold 40. Hunter Renfro for 40 at American Family Field. Well, not all of them there, but you know what I'm saying. With that as his home. Um, I, we've got clearly a lot of home run hitters on this team. Rowdy Telez, Andrew McCutcheon, Christian Yelich if he's back to form, Heston Hira if he's back to form. But Hunter Renfro is just, I, I got a good feeling about him. This year, and he has traditionally done very well uh, at Miller Park when it was Miller Park when he was a member of the San Diego Padres. It was only like nine games, but his OPS was well over a thousand. He hit a, a handful of home runs. Um, he knows how to hit at that park, and that's only going to help him. So, Brewers home run leader for 2022, Hunter Renfro. All right, all right, I like it. 
Um, I've got one here that I think is going to be kind of somewhat along those lines, but uh, a little bit uh, different uh, in terms of home run totals here. And I have 30 home runs, a 30 home run season coming for both Willie Adamas and Luis Arias. Oh, oh man. Adamas hit 25 last year, 20 with the Mm -hmm. Brewers, 5 with the Rays. Urias hit 23 last year. Urias is coming to camp looking pretty pretty yoked. I mean, he mm-hmm. he hit the gym this offseason looking strong. Obviously, the quad injury is, you know, not getting us off to a hot start here, but uh I think he's got the power to make up for it. I mean, he's he's shown the ability to hit the ball hard and, and get it up in the air. Um and you know, that power surge, I mean, really kind of started to come on late in the season for Urias. So if he has a full season with that kind of power surge, I feel like he can hit 30. And same thing goes for Adamas. I mean, Adamas is just uh, 26. Urias is just 25. Um, I mean, you've got really two young, still rising players, and their power is clearly continuing to to grow and grow. So why not hit 30 for both of them? Yeah, hey, if Adamus hits 30, that goes a long way towards proving my first bull prediction. That's true. Right, I would say. That's uh, very true. Man, imagine some of these guys at their ceiling when it comes to power this season. Where can the Brewers land in terms of home runs across the league this year? I mean, they've got easily, if everyone's firing on all cylinders, easily top 10 team in the league in terms of homers. I mean, they've clearly addressed that. Um, but I mean, could you see him up there in the top five? I mean, if, if everyone's like this, we just named off a lot of guys who theoretically could hit a lot of homers this year. And we haven't um, even talked Yelich. No. We haven't even talked Hira. We haven't even talked McCutcheon. Right. And you know, Omar Narvaez is going to poke a few out there every once in a while. You know, Kess, uh, Colton Wong had the most leadoff home runs in a season in his entire yeah. career last year. Like, so he'll poke one out every once in a while. Like, this could be a fun power team to watch in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited for it. And hopefully Ozzy Timmons and, and Kyron Dawson can uh, get the best out of this group. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got another bowl prediction, though. And this this may not be uh, super, super fun and maybe kind of dampering, uh, d- damping down the energy here a little bit. Whoa. Yeah. So, my my next bowl prediction, Keston Hira bounces back to 2019 form, but Christian Yelich does not. Oh. Hira, Hira just hit a home run here today. That's his fourth of the yep. spring. Keston Hira has looked really, really good in spring training. Now, granted, spring training performance doesn't guarantee uh, regular season performance, but the reworked swing... Everything Hira has done, it's looking like things are working. He's getting into a groove offensively, and he's showing that he can hit again. The confidence is there. He's seeing the results. Um, and that's – I'm trying not to be too confident, but I'm I'm getting more and more confident in a in a Keston Hira bounce back um, as, as the days goes on here. Christian Yelich, meanwhile, he still kind of looks like the same guy that he was last year for the most part. He's had a few hits fall in. Um, but it still seems like he's hitting a lot of, you know, weak ground balls to the right side um, and hasn't really been lifting the ball, hitting it for power, you know, driving it to the outfield, driving it 
over the fence. He has he hasn't been driving the ball from from what I've seen. Now, granted, it's limited spring training appearances, but you know he hasn't really gone about. It's like, oh, I'm making some changes here. It's just kind of a, um, you know, just just trying to mentally get back on track. And I just kind of haven't seen it yet. You know, we've seen signs or glimpses that it's coming. So I feel like Yelich isn't going to reach that MVP form. Now, Grant, maybe he could. This is a bold prediction, by the way. So got to have, you know, some sort of uh, balance here. But I believe in a Hura bounce back. Um, I'm I'm getting more and more confident in that. But I'm not quite as confident yet that Yelich is going to bounce back to his 2018-2019 form. Yeah, I, I don't think that's an entirely unreasonable prediction at all. And they were even mentioning during the broadcast today that while Yelich, yes, does look better, he's not just exactly like you said, he's not lifting the ball right now. He's hitting a little bit better to opposite field, which is good. That's something you want to see out of a confident Yelich is that he is able to go to multiple spots on the field. Um, but he to be that version and your, your prediction was 2019 version of Christian Yelich, he needs to be lifting it. He needs to be hitting, you know, with power, hitting the ball out of the park, like solid line drives and, you know, high quality grounders that happen to find their way into the outfield is not 2019 Christian Yelich. 2019 Christian Yelich is everything working perfectly. And so, yeah, absolutely. Kesson Hira has looked better this spring than Christian Yelich. It, it, you, you just can't deny that. The question mm-hmm. with Hira is, will he be able to carry it forward into the regular season? Because he looked good last spring as well, but didn't carry it forward. Um, so can he do it this time? And if he does, the Brewers will find a way to get him at bats. They always do with someone who is hitting well. The same will be true of Tyrone Taylor if he keeps it up. Um, but yeah, I... I don't think that's an, a bad prediction at all. Um, I think that's the more likely thing to happen, um, sadly, than it being the other way around. And it shouldn't be. Yelich is a former MVP. Um, but, hey, maybe we get lucky and both of them return to 2019 form. That would be just just the best. And then we can start making our uh, World Series reservations right away. Yeah, right. Ab- absolutely. So, yeah, if we can get both of them back to – to their 2019 levels of performance, that would be fantastic. Um, and I think the Brewers are really kind of banking on that. I mean, with their, I mean, with the acquisition of uh, Andrew McCutcheon and I mean, Hunter Renfro, I mean, Renfro replaces Avisel Garcia. Uh, McCutcheon fills the, the newly created DH spot. Other than that, you're returning just about everyone else from, from that offense. So you're really banking on Yelich and Hira, bouncing back to their expected levels of performance. Um, so, I mean, one of them getting back uh, certainly does a lot uh, for this team. Two of them getting getting back to those levels uh, would be outstanding. Um, so that's my uh, final bold prediction there. Uh, to kind of wrap up the episode here, we're going to finish looking at win totals and where we think mm-hmm. this team is going to end up in terms of wins. So let's see. Last year, where did they end last year with? How many wins do they have? Was uh, it 96? 95 or 96? I can't remember. It's I always forget. Real quick. 95. 95. Okay. So, Matt, what is your projected win total for the Brewers this season? 
So if I didn't stick with this, I would be made to be called a fraud. So I've got to stick with uh, my original prediction. And for a little bit of background, um, I did have the pleasure of being invited to 1250 AM The Fan to talk about that 28-man prediction uh, piece that we had. And at the very end, Sparky, friend of the podcast, uh, throws in unexpectedly, what is your win total projection for the year? Was not expecting that. Mm. And so without having much time to think, I had to come up with something. And I feel like slightly blurted out, although I felt okay about it, 97 wins oh. on live air on radio. Now, and part of what I said is that, you know, this is going to be the year that they find that they break past that club record and 97 wins would be just barely a club record. And it's not going something super bold, like into the hundreds. So at the very least, it's not that, but for this season, the Brewers and the Cardinals really should be able to pile up a whole lot of wins on the other three teams in the NL central, the Cubs, the Reds and the Pirates. I think the Cubs will be a little bit better than I keep thinking they're going to be because they just always do that to me. But mm -hmm. in general, that's going to be a lot of baseline wins for both of those two teams. And then it's just a matter of how you perform against other teams. And the Brewers have some teams this year on their schedule, like the Diamondbacks, who were originally supposed to be playing today, but we've already gone over that. Like the Orioles, who they do play in the first uh, month of the season. Uh, the Giants actually were only projected to be roughly a, a 500 team. They've got some other teams that, you know, are on the lower end of projected win totals that they're going to get to play. And so they should be able to pile up a bunch of wins. So I'm going to stick with that prediction and I'm going to say 97 wins. All right, there you go. I am going to actually be somewhat close uh, to you and I'm going to say 96, mm. just one under. I don't know why. I'm, I mean, I just, I, but I mean, really, I mean, for all the reasons you said there, I mean, you're going to be able to beat up on the Reds and the Pirates and the Cubs. Um, the Reds have really made themselves much worse uh, this mm -hmm. offseason, uh, much easier to kind of roll up on. The Pirates really haven't done anything to, to change their status. Um, the Cubs, yeah, I mean, they, they could be uh, pesky as they always are. Um, but, you know, really the, the team is going to be as good, if not better, than last year. Uh, the division is probably a little bit easier than it was heading into last year. Now that mm -hmm. the Reds have really kind of torn down. Um, so I see no reason why they shouldn't be able to win as many games as last season. Um, and hopefully they can, they can luck into another uh, couple of wins and, you know, get, get 96 or so. And, um, you know, with 96 wins, you should be able to lock up the division pretty handily. So uh, they'll be in good shape then. Yeah, I just to, again about the the Cubs. It, I know they've added some pieces uh in the off season. They they were the winners on the Seiya Suzuki uh derby. Yeah. They added Marcus Stroman. I get that. They added some other names like Clint Frazier and um what not. Frazier isn't anything. No, it's not, but it's at least I, I guess Remember when it, Yankees it's, fans it's tried to pawn him and Miguel Andahar oh, on yeah. us for Josh oh, Hader? I very much remember that. But oh past God. Hendricks and Strowman, complete question marks in the rest of the rotation. I cannot imagine 
the bullpen is going to be any better than last year. They're relying on a whole lot of young talent. And there's already been talks that Wilson Contreras could get moved very early in the season. And he was one of their few uh, decent returning veterans. And he actually wasn't even that great last year. So I feel like the Cubs shouldn't be very good based off of that setup. And yet they're probably going to scratch out more wins than I expect. But we did very well against them last year, especially once they tore everything down. And I, there shouldn't be any reason why we can't pile up wins against them again in 2022. Yeah, so it, it should be a, a good season in the NL Central. Uh, should be a good season for the Brewers. Um, very excited for it. 162 games all coming up, and uh, they're cramming it in there. Uh, Corbin Burns starting opening day, getting things kicked off. It's going to be a fun season, man. Um, we're going to be here with you the entire time here on the Cold Brew Podcast. New episodes every single week. Uh, we're going to be hoping to, you know, squeeze on some more guests here as we can, you know, get into the groove of, of the season um, and get them on, start talking some some Brewers baseball, have some actual games that count uh, to talk about. Uh, it's going to be great. Super excited for it. Be sure to stay tuned to reviewingthebrew.com for all the stuff we put up there. Um, and uh, stay covered with the with the Milwaukee Brewers. We got you. So, um, Matt, any uh, final words before the season begins? Let's play ball. I know we've got some Cactus League games left, but I'm I'm ready. I, today was supposed to be opening day. I was ready for regular season games. I am ready for regular season games now. So, yep, let's get these last few spring training things out of the way. Let's get that roster solidified, and let's start playing regular season games. Yep, let's play ball. Let's do it. Uh, so it's going to be a fun time. That'll do it for us. This week on the Cobra Podcast, for Matt Carroll, I'm Dave Gasper. We'll see you next time for another episode, a regular season episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. <laughs>